Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. Wherever you find yourself watching right now, can you just bow your head, close your eyes? Can you lift your hands? Maybe you're in a watch party right now. Maybe you're watching at home or you're already at work and you're watching, but can you just take this moment and just pause? Can you just begin to thank God in your own words for who he is, for what he's done in your life in this past week, for how he has poured out, for how he's led your path, maybe opportunities that he's brought to you. Maybe you just want to use words to describe him. Say, God, I thank you for being a good father. God, thank you for being truthful. God, thank you for giving me a hope for the future. God, thank you for pouring out your blessings upon me. God, I thank you for health in my life right now. Whatever that looks like, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. Can you just thank him right now in your words? as we continue this time in worship. And I don't wanna leave this time. I don't wanna step out of this and step into the word until we've made sure our minds are so focused on who he is and why we're here today and what he's gonna do. It's not about who you're with. It's not about what I say. It's about what he speaks to you and what you speak back to him. We're only conduits for him to move in each of our lives. So God, we thank you right now. We thank you for what you've done this week. God, we just turn our attention back to you. God, we pause right now. We just pause and we say thank you. We thank you for community that you placed us in. We thank you for the jobs that you've blessed us with. We thank you for the dreams and the hopes and the future that's on the horizon as we look ahead. God, we thank you just as much for walking through those difficult days with us. God, I thank you this week for strength. I thank you for wisdom. All of this, we just come to you. And God, if you never did one other thing for us, we just say thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us already. God, I pray that you would speak to each of us today through my words. God, as you've been wrecking me with this word, as you've been challenging me to stay locked in and focused on what you want to say, what you want to do. God, I pray you would translate this message like only you can. I pray for every heart and every ear and every mind that's going to receive it. God, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Sunday. I am so grateful that you joined us today. February 6th. We are one week away from the Super Bowl. We are right in the middle of Winter Olympics. We have got all the fun things going on right here in the change community. We are one week into the building project. Come on, somebody. Some of you have been at the church and you've been building and repairing and sanding and organizing and carrying things up and down steps. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this. There are so many incredible things happening, and I am just excited and honored that you cut out time to prioritize being here in church to hear the Word of God. 
you know, I've told most of you that I was raised as a pastor's kid. And so my dad was a pastor at the same church for 30 years. And I'm very grateful for the community that I got to grow up in. Actually, you know, this is the beauty of a church family. We're in the middle of a building project. And my dad actually has some people out of our church there in Kansas City that he used to pastor coming up here to volunteer their time for a week to be a part of this building project. That is the beauty of church family. And I know I've talked to some of you about that. I love that. But I was also raised that Sunday is the best way to start your week. You know, you have a choice on Sunday morning if you want to get up and start your week hearing God's word or sleeping in. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for choosing and prioritizing what God wants to do in you. And I have studied and I have sought the face of God so that I don't waste what God wants to do in this moment. And so I hope you're ready. If you have a notepad, get it out. I hope you have your journal with you. If not, get out your phone, open your notes app or whatever you want to take notes in, and make sure that you are ready to write this down. Because today, we are going to talk about guarding the dream. Write that down. Guard the dream. Guard the dream. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. This is something God has been speaking to me and working in me I would say for months now, I have been studying through this. I have been praying through this. God has just been challenging me with guarding the dream, guarding what he put inside of us to accomplish. It's not just our vision. It's God's vision through us. And I'm sure each of you have a dream or a vision or something you're holding on to. Last week, Elijah talked to us about being eternity-minded. He talked about how to make sure we're looking through the right filter and what we're focused on and keeping in our minds, God is sending his son back. He's coming back for us and keeping that eternity at the forefront of our mind. Every conversation we have, every decision we make, every time we serve, everything we give, we are pouring into eternity. And Elijah challenged us with that. And the week before that, he challenged us with the next step. What are you doing next? He challenged us, you're just in charge of doing what you know. Take the next step and see what God will do. It challenged me so much. And if you have not gotten to watch that, go back into the Change Church app, go onto YouTube and make sure that you are checking that out because there are some exciting things happening and it has just been incredible times that God has been speaking through us. But today I want to talk to you about guarding the dream. I want to talk to you about what to do next. So this is really exciting. You have a next step. You have a dream. Maybe you've prayed through it and you're like, I just know what God's called me to do. I have this vision for our relationship. I have this vision for my career, for my business. I have this ministry calling on my heart that I can't get away from. I've said yes to him. Maybe it could be anything. And now you're in this moment where you are pursuing the dream but you also have to guard the dream. 
So we're going to talk about guarding the dream. And I want to start by reading out of Nehemiah today. Um, a few weeks ago, actually, when I was sharing, I read out of Nehemiah. And I've been studying this book. I've shared with you that I have so much respect for Nehemiah, for the way that he led, for the way that he kept vision ahead of his people, for the way that he stood strong against opposition, for the way he took care of the poor and met needs in the middle of it. My goodness, sometimes I just had so much respect for Nehemiah because, you know, you're rebuilding a wall so quickly and going back to your home country. And there's so many things that he did. But on top of all of that, he was solving crisis after crisis in the middle of fulfilling the dream that God had put on his heart. And so today I want to pick up, and if you have your Bible, grab it out, or you can turn to your Bible app, or go to Google and Google this scripture if you want to follow along. But we're going to read out of Nehemiah Four, Nehemiah chapter four, we're going to start in verse one. We are going to read the entire chapter. It's only 23 verses, but um, we're going to read the entire chapter. And I just want to make sure that we have context to this story. And so if you weren't here, maybe you haven't heard the story of Nehemiah before. Nehemiah was called to go and rebuild the wall. And so he leaves to go and rebuild this wall. He calls on the people. He gets the materials. He gets everyone rallied. They are trying to rebuild the wall. They end up rebuilding it. And I believe it was 52 days, if I have that number correctly. And it was incredible. And last time I shared about the importance of walls. You know, in those times, walls were security. Walls were defining who you were and who your God was and how he would fight for you. And so this wall being destroyed was more than just, oh, you don't have a wall. It was being stripped of, of uh, security, of safety. It was being stripped. It was making a mockery. Well, is this who your God is? And so there are so many more factors than just Nehemiah went to, to build a wall. And so we pick up in Nehemiah chapter four, verse one. And this is when Nehemiah hits some opposition to the rebuilding. Has anyone ever felt opposition to what God is calling you to build? My goodness, have Elijah and I felt opposition. We have had people speak against us. We have had people come against us. We have had people talk about us. We have had so many different things come against us. We've had doors close. We've thought, oh my goodness, we thought that's where it was going to come from. And okay, God, when are you going to show up? Where is it going to come from? We have felt that opposition. But now we're standing in the middle of what that fulfilled promise was. And it doesn't mean that it's the end, but it means it is a promise coming full circle. And you know what? There are so many other promises that Elijah and I are holding on to for this church, that we're holding on to for the impact of the next generation. So many promises that God promised us that he spoke over this city that we are holding on to. We haven't seen him fulfilled yet, but I'm telling you, every time we see a promise, we hold on to that. And we say, all right, that gives me strength for the next. That gives me strength for the next step and the next promise. And so today we're going to read Nehemiah 4 and we're going to talk about opposition. Nehemiah 4 Verse 1, it says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? 
Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Ouch, right? Verse four, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I this is Nehemiah. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Man, isn't that what Elijah talked about? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. What are you focused on? When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each at our own, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. Wow even when he went for water. You know, I was reading this again as I was preparing. And as I said, we're coming out of this first week of building. And I was laughing with Elijah because we're only a few days in. And I was like, wow, I feel like I need to work out to keep up in this building project. I feel like I'm so out of shape and I feel like I'm so exhausted. I'm like passing out at night. I'm so tired. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they were legit working all day and guarding all night. 
all day and all night because of the dream, because of a promise, even when things came. You know, after you've made the plan, after you've got the vision, maybe you've said yes to a calling. Like I said, maybe you're saying, hey, God bless me with this relationship. What's this going to look like? I mean, I'm so excited about the future. I'm dreaming about it. I can't wait. Maybe you're setting out and you're finishing school and you're just dreaming of the future. That's what gets you through maybe those long nights and those early mornings and you're holding on to that. Maybe your job has been rough. Maybe you work in the medical field. Maybe it's been hard these past couple years, but you have been holding on to this dream. I want to talk to us today about how to guard that dream. I want to talk to us practically about it because, you know, I think sometimes it sounds easier said than done, right? Sometimes we have this dream and we pursue our dream. And then when something comes against it, we're like, God, did you not call me? I remember somebody once telling me, you know, if it doesn't feel easy, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe it's not the will of God. And I was like, no, 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 no. Listen, the will of God is the safest place to be. It's not the easiest place to be, okay? And so when you say yes to God, when Elijah and I said yes to God and we said, God, we will step away from everything that's comfortable because you're calling us to something new and scary and unknown. When we said yes, it was not easy, but it was the safest place we could be because it was right in the middle of where God wanted us. And so I want to talk to us today about being prepared as we walk into this dream. You know, I have this sword actually, so cool. Um, my dad, this was probably like pre-TSA, I'm pretty sure, but um, my dad actually did a lot of missions trips when I was growing up, and he would get swords in um, all these different countries that he went to. And so he has gone to all overseas and he's gone to a bunch of countries in Asia and Europe and um, Africa. And so he would bring back swords, which was really cool. And um, he would bring swords and he would bring my mom teapots. And so that is fun. They have a collection of antique swords and teapots in their house. And so this sword he had given to us and I asked Elijah to get it out because as I was reading this, right, in Nehemiah 4, and as I was reading about these laborers, people that are working day and night, they're working in one hand with their weapon in another hand. Can I tell you after working this week, can you imagine working while you're holding this sword? What does that even feel like? Why? It's because were being prepared. It's because they were ready for what might come. It's because they were so focused on the dream, they couldn't give up on that. And so I want you to write these couple things down. I want you to write down, it's numbers one through six. So I'm going to give you six different steps in guarding the dream, developing the dream and guarding the dream, six steps. And I want you to track with me. I hope that you'll write this down. I hope that this is a message. I once heard it said that it's a Monday morning message. I hope it's something that you take today and Monday morning when you get up, you put it into action. I hope that Monday you pick it up like it's one of your weapons and you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this week. I got my tool here to build the dream and I got my weapon here to guard the dream. And so that is my prayer for us today. You know, 
God has just been speaking this so much to me. I've been right in the middle of this message. And so as I'm sharing it, it is coming straight from my life. And so I want you to hear that from me. God has been speaking. God has been challenging me. God has been reminding me. And I hope that he starts to do the same for you. The first thing I want you to write down is what is the dream? What is the dream? Can you see your dream? Maybe you were here a couple weeks ago and you heard Elijah share about that and you heard him talk about what's next. What is your next step? It's your responsibility to move in the next step. But if you didn't, I want you to pick up right here on number one. What is your dream? Take some time. I don't want you to come up with it in a hot minute. I know personally, right, I am somebody who makes decisions in 0.5 seconds. That is just my personality. That's probably how I will always be because it's how I've always been. And so I make decisions like that. And I know sometimes it's like crazy and it's a lot. But can I tell you that it's always coming out of those moments of seeking God? Because when I seek God daily, then I am so honed in to say, yes, no. Okay, God wants me to move there. Okay, wait, I don't feel a peace about that. That's the part of having discernment. That's why we pray in our spirits. God, give me discernment. That's why scripture and prayers are always to be on our mouth. They are always to be in our mind. It doesn't mean that you never pick up your head and, and you never stand up and go do anything. It's you being in tune. And so I want to challenge you. It's not about right here, right now, making this quick decision. It's about you being in tune this week. It's about you setting some time to seek the face of God and say, God, what are you calling me to do? Elijah talked a couple weeks ago about a tree, the tree out at our house when we lived in Cochranville. And when we moved out there, it was very crazy because I was like, where do I live? It was in the middle of two Amish fields. And so we drive up and there was this massive tree um, on the back of like the field behind us. And Elijah would go there every morning at five o'clock. And that's why, you know, when he talked about that and God spoke to him and said, get your house in order. I'm about to explode your vision. You know what I love about Elijah is that every morning at 5 a.m., he has it in his calendar, appointment with the king. It's treated just as important as any phone call he has, as a staff meeting, as a touch base, as a filming day, as a building work night, any of those. His appointment with the king is in his calendar and he is there. And I remember him coming back time and time again from this tree where he went and he just met with God. He had a space and he would go there and he would pray and he would turn on music and his headphones and <clears throat> just take time and just pray. And I remember him coming back and saying, Ash, I can see it. Ash, I can see what God wants to do. And it can make me cry again thinking about it. Because all through that, he chased God at the tree. And then we moved to our house in Oxford. And we were like a little bit more in civilization, like ish, you know. And so he moved there. And I remember he would always go on prayer walks. And it was very funny because at the top of our, of our development um, was a cemetery. And he would go walk around and I would be like, does that not like kind of sketch you out? He's like, no, I just want to go somewhere like it's quiet. Well, it's guaranteed to be quiet there. So, so he goes and he's spending time with God and he's just walking around the neighborhood and spending time. And I remember when we lived in Oxford before we moved to Philadelphia, Elijah coming back and saying, Ash, I know this is crazy. 
I know this is the wildest thing, but here's what God showed me. I can see it. I can see it. Did it mean we saw it in the physical? No, but we had seen it in the spiritual. And you know, that's what we held on to time and time again. You have to see your dream. I remember Elijah's uncle Paul talking to us as we had transitioned and we were navigating through some big days and we were asking him for some advice and we were saying, hey, how do we handle this situation that we're going to be walking into and we're not sure, you know, what it'll feel like and what it'll be like and all this stuff. And I remember him saying to Elijah, Elijah, see yourself there. Close your eyes and see yourself. What do you feel? Do it right now. Maybe we just take a minute, huh? Close your eyes. Think about your dream. How do you see yourself? Are you loving it? Are you stressed? Are you feeling excited? Are you nervous? Where is it at? What are you doing? What are you feeling? Do you feel a peace? Do you feel the thrill of living what God called you to do? Open your eyes. Take time and do that this week. But I remember him asking us, Close your eyes. How do you feel? And then he would say, okay, how does it feel to be who you need to be in that situation? How does it feel to be who you need to be? And we had to say, wow, let us close our eyes. It feels good to be that. I need to be that person. I need to speak with that confidence. I need to walk in that boldness. I need to live in that forgiveness. I need to feel that now. And so I want to ask you, number one, can you see your dream? Because if you can see your dream, you can lock in and focus on that. My second question for you is, why this dream? I stress this all the time to our change team, to our helm team. The why will always dictate the what. Your why will always dictate what comes next. But until you know the why behind your dream, it is just a dream. Let me give you an example of this. Right now, we are in the middle of TLC putting in the sweat to get this building transformed. I am not a super in-shape person. I want to be. I'm not right now. And I want to be a go-getter and all this stuff. But listen, you want to know why I'm like, hey, my back is hurting. I am on a heating pad. I am exhausted at the end of the day. But you want to know what keeps me going? What keeps me going is the vision. What keeps me going is the why. Why does it matter to transform these three rooms? Because I can see every student that's going to walk through there. I can see the students that are coming in to Doc and his team and have never felt that kind of love. I can see students that are coming in and have never had somebody say to them, you can do it. You got this. I believe in you. I see families coming into this church and it, it makes me cry because it, it's my wife, but I can see families coming into this church, walking in, maybe marriages that are on the rocks. Maybe a, a child comes with their parent one Sunday. Maybe it's Easter. Maybe it's Christmas. Maybe it's a baptism Sunday. I don't know. But I can see the one time that child is going to walk in with their parent. And I can already see the restoration. 
and I can already see the healing and I can already see the love, that's my why. That's why I don't care how many Rubbermaids we have to sort through. I don't care how many nails we have to hammer in. I don't care how many brush strokes we're going to do, how many rolls of paint tape we have already gone through. None of that matters because my why is in front of me. What is your why? When opposition hits and push comes to shove and you have to move somewhere you never thought you'd move, or maybe you go through a financial time that you said, I will never have to deal with that. I prepped for this. I was ready for this. Let me ask you, what is your why? Business owners, what is your why to grow your business? Ministry leaders, what is your why to stay up late and get up when you're exhausted and go out of your way? What is your why? Teachers, when everything's coming against you and you're problem solving 19 million things in the middle of a COVID pandemic and pivoting and transitioning, administration and teachers, what is your why? When you know your why, it defines your what. Number three, what could oppose it? You know, I wrote this down and I was talking through it with Elijah because there's a difference between being scared and being prepared. And I think that's a teetering line that oftentimes we live on, right? I think sometimes we find ourselves living where we're so scared that we don't want to move that we don't want to do anything, that we don't even want to take a step because I don't know what could happen, what would happen, what should happen, what might, I don't even know what it's going to be. So you know what? I'm just going to stay. Like Elijah talked about, it's the individual with the one talent. I don't know what could happen. Something might happen if I take a risk. So I'm just going to stay. Elijah and I talk all the time, without risk, there is no reward. That's why we will take risk after risk after risk. I count the cost. I pray through it. I talk to wise counsel. We have had goodness knows how many people through this building to walk through it with wisdom eyes. We are always going to do that. But you know what? We will always say yes to the risk. And so we have to watch that we don't live on that side. But at the same time, we don't want to live on the other side. Because the other side, and sometimes I can live here, is so prepared. And it's like, I don't know if it doesn't fit into my plan and if it doesn't fit into my schedule. And if I don't know everything about it, then I can't da 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 And we have to find ourselves somewhere in the middle where you're aware and you've counted the cost and you're aware of the potential risk, but that risk doesn't become the filter that you look through. You know, when you know what could happen, when you're aware of what opposition could come against you, Nehemiah was aware of the opposition that could come against his builders. He was aware of the opposition that could come against his families. Therefore, he gave his laborers a tool in one hand and a weapon in another. You know, there's something different about how you use your weapon if you're scared or if you're prepared. I began to think of this mental picture as we were praying through this. You know, I think that sometimes if we're not prepared, our weapon is sitting idly by, right? And your weapon is sitting over there and maybe you're living totally in just like 
It's chill. I don't know. I'll just see what comes. I'll just do it as it comes. It doesn't even matter. And so your weapon is so far over there that when opposition comes, you're not ready to defend. And so there is a difference. When you live prepared, you have a weapon in one hand and a tool in another, and you are ready to use your weapon on the offense not the defense. You're ready to go to war for your dream, for your vision, for what you're building. Come on, these laborers, I am wrecked by the fact that they were working all day and up all night defending. That is commitment. That is commitment. Sometimes we think we have big weeks. Wow, we should just read Nehemiah and be like, praise God for how we have our life, right? Even on our big weeks. It's incredible. But they were ready and they were prepared for the opposition that was to come. And so number three, I want you to write down this week. Maybe you take some time. Maybe you need to go sit at coffee with somebody and you just need to think through this. Maybe you just need to go sit in a library or a bookstore or somebody and just some, something and just begin to think through this. What opposition could come? And are you prepared for that? Let me give you an example. You know, when Elijah and I got married, we had high standards before we got married. And we, we did. We chose to have really high standards before we got married. Why? Because we wanted to save ourselves for marriage. Because we wanted to build a relationship and a marriage on a solid foundation. Because we wanted to create this relationship. So we were open. We were honest in our conversation. We talked through so many things before we got married. Not because we had to, but because we were committed to a marriage that we wanted to happen. We didn't just live in like fake land. Like, I don't know, maybe marriage will just happen and it'll just be fun and it'll be great. And our kids will just grow up to be awesome. And like, I don't know, they'll just love the Lord and it'll just happen. Like, no, nothing just happens. But we knew what opposition could come. We knew what could come against us. And so we set standards in our marriage even after we got married. We set standards. Why? Some of you might be in group text with Elijah and myself. Why? Because we said, hey, we're going to keep ourselves above reproach. Why are we not together with someone of the opposite sex? Is it because we can't? No. It's because we've chosen to have standards or weapons in our hands to fight, to serve as guardrails for the marriage we want to create. Why can my kids not sit on technology all day, every day? It's because I want to be cautious about what goes into their eye gates. I want to be cautious about what they're exposed to early on. Now, listen, does it mean I'm going to protect them and they're never going to see something and they're never going to experience something? Friends, no, I'm not an idiot. I live in Philadelphia. We are raising children in Philadelphia. But I am being mindful. I am setting up guardrails for how God has called us to raise our children. There are things we've set up in our business. I will tell you right now, our giving comes straight off the revenue of Helm, right off the top. Why? Because there are things that could come as opposition against that. And I don't want to have questions. Things that sometimes are well-intending can become opposition. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe it's an opportunity for growth. And you think, wow, if I just invested this into it, then I could. Da -da -da -da. I don't want that option. This is a non-negotiable for me. We set up 
guardrails in our company. I believe that God has poured out favor and blessing as we've honored him with our company, as we've poured back into ministries, as we've poured into nonprofits that we work with, as we've poured into city transformation. I believe that we've seen God return tenfold on what he's asked us to do. This isn't mean, this is what you have to do and this is what I have to do. I'm just asking you, what opposition could you face in your dream? And what guardrails are you setting up to set yourself up for success? What are you doing to pick that weapon up and live with that? You know, as I was really digging in, and I wrote this down because I just, I felt so pressed in my heart on this, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but I hope that you'll hear this sincerely from my heart. I feel like God wants to absolutely work on us today, sometimes in internal oppositions, just as much as external oppositions. You know, I talked about seeing yourself, fulfilling your dream and fulfilling your vision. And I think that sometimes if we just say yes to the dream and we haven't seen ourselves doing the dream or living that dream or in the middle of that vision, I think sometimes we haven't had to process through a lot of internal things. You know, whenever we started this church and we set out to launch change, even when we set out to get this new building back in December, Elijah and I took some time and we had to sit down and say, what is it gonna look like in this next season? We believe it's what God's calling us to do. We believe it is an absolute blessing. He has opened this door. We believe he has closed other doors to bring this door right open to us. The story of this is unreal, how God closed doors that we were literally walking through to be able to open this door for us. And so we felt that. But at the same time, we sat down and said, what is it going to look like for us to do this? What is it going to look like? Wow. We're going to have to work through some things. I'm going to have to work on how to communicate vision. I'm going to need to grow in confidence as a leader. There are some things that Elijah said, you know what? I'm going to have to grow in this. If I'm going to lead this team and this church to where we're going to go, I'm going to have to go through this. And I want to challenge you this week to pray through what internally do you need to allow God to work on? Maybe it's self-doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. And if you're not in control, you can't give control up to God. And you can't trust anyone else. Maybe it's that kind of fear that you're walking into your dream with. I believe God wants to work on those internal oppositions just as much as he does the external oppositions. The fourth thing I want us to write down is weapons to guard the dream. What weapons do you have to guard the dream? When I say that, they picked up a tool with one hand and a weapon with another, other than a sword from another country that my dad brought back. What is the real weapon that you're using to guard your dream? I want to give you a few 
um, weapons that God has just been challenging me with. And I have been daily putting these in the forefront of my mind every morning. I've been taking time. And yes, it means I have to get up way earlier and I'm staying up late, but it's a commitment to guard the dream. Number one, write this down is gratitude. Gratitude. When you start your day with gratitude, it will radically change the way you live. I think that sometimes personally, I come off very naive. I come off very like, oh my word, this is so amazing. This is so awesome. Wow, I can't believe we get to do this. <gasps> this is an incredible opportunity. And I think it comes off, I know, because I've had people say it to me. I know that it comes off naive. I know that it comes off as like false positivity. Like, could you really be that positive all the time? Listen, I want you to hear from like deep in my heart, it's not easy. It's not that I think everything is positive. It's not that I love to stay up all the time till 1 a.m. It's that when I start my day with gratitude, I am genuinely grateful for every opportunity I have. I personally, Ashley Hollis, am so grateful for every client and filming project we have at our creative agency. Why? Because that means that I am able to do even more social impact into the next generation. I am so grateful for every square foot of this new space that we are going to radically transform. Why? Because I believe the life change is going to come out of it. I am so grateful that my kids are still home in virtual school. Why? Because I get to spend time with them that I might not get to spend other times. I am so grateful. I laugh all the time when I'm FaceTiming with somebody super late or up super early and when friends have been on different coasts or in different countries and all over the place. Yeah, am I tired? But you know what? I'm so grateful for those friendships that God has blessed me with, that I get to stay in connection with. I count that a blessing. I want to ask you this week, what would happen if you started your day with gratitude? God, thank you for this job. God, thank you for the flexibility that I have. God, thank you for the opportunity to make money that I can bless others, that I can pour into my family, that I can create opportunities. God, thank you for this school that I am getting an education that I might not get otherwise. What are you in the middle of that you can shift your perspective? The second thing to do weapon-wise is scripture. You know, the scripture literally is referred to as a double-edged sword. It is a weapon that cuts things off of our lives. And you know I love the scripture. I love to dive deep into the scripture. And so I want to encourage you this week, get yourself full of scripture. Maybe you want to sit down and just read through the Bible. Maybe you want to find a reading plan. Maybe it's a reading plan in the Bible app, or you find it on Google or something. Maybe go back to number three. What are you feeling as internal opposition? Is it jealousy? Is it that you're incapable? Is it fear? Is it just taking over your mind? What is it that you're dealing with? Maybe you need to find a scripture on that. Or maybe you're walking into a big decision and you're like, God, I need a scripture on discernment. God, I need you to speak to me of wisdom and discernment as I walk into this. I'm praying through some big decisions. I'm having some big conversations. Fill your life with scripture. 
and watch what God does. Because what I love, and, and again, being in the middle of this building project, Elijah and I were laughing the other day because he was cutting two by fours. And I had said when we were all standing around, I was like, listen, this is why you always measure a two by four off of um, like a measuring stick or something. You never measure it off the last one cut. Because if you measure it off the last one cut, you're going to end up a little off and a little off and a little off. And then you get to the end and you're like, how did I get a four inch longer two by four than the initial one I started cutting? because you weren't measuring it against the ruler. For you, you can't measure your life against my life. I can't measure my life against yours. I can't measure my life against Elijah's. I measure my life against the word of God. Every decision I make is against the word of God. That's why it has to be filling. And the third thing is community. Having an accountability partner. And as I was praying through this, I just want to encourage us as a church community. Because I think that we have an incredible church family here. I am so grateful that this is the church family foundation we are doing our like relaunch with. I think it is an incredible culture. And what you have at the core of your foundation is what will always be replicated as you grow. And so I love that. But here's what I want to challenge us with as the change church family. I want to ask you, who is in your community? Do you have an accountability partner? Not a friend that you see at church, not somebody that you're like, oh my word, we had a blast. We just went and grabbed dinner. That's amazing. But I want to ask you more. Who do you have that is navigating this season of the dream with you? You know, that goes into number five. Who's around the dream with you? Not just somebody that you're going to come back and say, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. Guess what happened? Yes, we are a church family that loves to celebrate and we will navigate tough seasons together. I think we have shown that over the last two years. We have navigated some big seasons together, but we've also celebrated what God's done together. But I want to ask you intentionally, who's around the dream with you? You know, I have a friend that has navigated some big seasons with me. She has navigated um, incredible seasons that have been so much fun to celebrate. She's navigated very hard seasons with me that have been seasons that I'm like, never in my life did I think I would have to go through this or face this. It's those seasons she's navigated with me. And you know, as we went into this building project, she's been with us all along the dream. And as we went into this building project and leasing this building and looking at this new space, I said, hey, I need you to pray with me. This is the space. This is the opportunities. This is what I see. Can I send you the videos? Can we look through this together? We couldn't coordinate the time to do a walkthrough before the holidays. And I said, can you just watch these videos? Can you watch these photos? Can you look at this and go through it with me? What do you see as red flags? Why? Because she's an outside opinion. I don't want to look at everything through my rose-tinted glasses. I need somebody to say to me, no, Ash, this looks incredible. This is what you've been talking about for five years. Or I need somebody to say to me, Ash, no, girl, this cannot happen. You cannot do this. You cannot do what you want to do in this space. I needed that. You know what else I needed? As we've gone into this big season and I said, girl, these next 60 days are going to be wild. I need prayer and I need all the grace and I need you to help me if I'm dropping balls. I need somebody like that. 
and she can come back to me and say, girl, you have no idea what this season is about to look like. And I'm like, hey, let's do it. We are doing slumber parties. We are getting the kids together. We are all in. You need that kind of person. You need somebody that you can intentionally call and say, hey, I'm about to step into this season. Hey, God just blessed me with exactly what I prayed for. Now I need strength to navigate through it. Now I need you to walk with me through it. You need somebody to say, no, you're good. Keep walking. Nope. You got this. You're doing well. Hey, hold on. What about this? Have you thought about that? You need an accountability partner. And so I encourage you this week, find somebody. Maybe it's in a watch party right now. Maybe it's somebody you want to text and say, hey, can we get coffee? Don't beat around the bush. I probably say this because you know I'm an Enneagram 8. And so I am very straightforward and I just say it how it is. You need to call somebody. You need to text somebody and say, hey, I want to navigate this next season with you. Can we pray together? Can we talk together? Hey, I want to share with you the dream that God gave me that I'm stepping into. Can we chat together? Hey, do you have time to catch up? I love when people do that because I'm like, yes, how can I pray for you? How can I be involved in this dream with you? I might not be in the day-to-day walk with you, but I get to be in the trenches doing it with you. And the final thing is where's your focus? You know, I want to jump ahead if you have your scripture. Um, Turn to Nehemiah 6. We're going to go just a little bit ahead to Nehemiah chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 1. Where's your focus? In Nehemiah 6, the section header says, further opposition to the rebuilding. Because you might go through opposition, and you might go through further opposition. And then you might go through more opposition. And I want you to hear how Nehemiah handles this as you're writing down where's your focus. Let's start in verse 1. When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Oh, my word. I can appreciate the stubbornness of Nehemiah. Then... The fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehedabel, who was shut in at his home. 
He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him it's where we pray for discernment, right? I realized God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah, sorry, Noadiah, and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. I love this where he says, but they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. The sixth thing I want to challenge you with is where's your focus? Are you locked in ready? If you've been watching any of the Olympics, if you are prepping for the Super Bowl, if you watch any of the athletes behind the scenes, I get this mental picture, right? Because they always have on the headphones and they're always like with their bags. And man, they are locked in. Like I'm not listening to the fans. I'm not listening to what happens when I get off the bus. I'm not listening to what happens when I walk down the stadium, the, the undercarriage place by the um, locker room. Like I am not listening to any of that. I am locked in in laser focused on this. Why? Because their one job is go out and win. Go out and do my best. I have trained my life for this moment in the Olympics. I have trained my life for this moment in the Super Bowl and they are locked in. What would happen, friends, if we lived locked in to our dream? Not just yeah, I'm living my dream and it's really cool. No, locked in. Who are you letting talk into your dream that needs to not have a word into your dream? What are you giving time to that you need to not give time to? Can I tell you, there have been some things in this season that I've had to say, no, I can't do that. No, I can't have that conversation. No, I don't need to get into that right now. It doesn't mean that I don't get into relationships with people. It means I don't get into traps that have been set before me. I want to encourage us to lock in laser focused. When you are focused on a good work, listen, I am so focused on what God has called me to do. Maybe it's a ministry calling for you and you are so focused on it and you say, you know what? No, I cannot look to the right and the left. I can't look around. I am locked in laser focused on what I know God has called me to do. It doesn't mean I'm gonna see it happen today, but I am laser focused looking at that. When you are focused, when you are locked in, you don't have time for drama. You don't have time for distractions. You don't have time for that. When the enemy tries to get you disoriented and distracted, you are focused. What is your focus? How can you keep yourself focused this week? You know, there have been times where I've gone through some really big seasons and I have written down on a paper, this is who I am. This is what God's called me to do. This is what I know that I am stepping into. And I have stuck it up on my bathroom mirror and it is 
so not like me because I am such a minimalist. I hate to put anything anywhere. I don't like things in my fridge. I don't like things on mirrors. I don't like anything. But I will stick it up there because I'm like, you know what? I need to know every time I go into the bathroom, this is my focus. When I'm getting ready for the day, this is my focus. When I'm coming and I'm washing my hands or I'm brushing my teeth, this is why I'm getting up this morning. This is what I'm praying through as I go to bed tonight. I am locked in laser focused on this dream. And can I tell you, when you're locked in laser focus, it will prevent a lot of things that you won't have to deal with. Nehemiah, he didn't go down to that conversation. He didn't have to go down to the meeting. He didn't have to go deal with the people. He didn't get pulled aside. He didn't get set in a trap. Why? Because he was locked in focused on the great work that God had called him to do. So as we close today, and if you want to put away your notes... And if you would today, I want to take a moment and I just want to pray over each of us. I want to close out this time together and I want to pray that God would help us to guard the dream, to guard that relationship, to guard that calling, that business, that school education that you're going after, the degrees that you're pursuing, the business that you're building, that God would give us what we need to guard that dream to keep us focused on the why, the why of what he called us to do. Would you, wherever you are, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you want to get on your knees. Maybe you want to stand up. Maybe you just want to lift your hands and worship. I don't know. There's no right or wrong. I will just say the thing that I've always said. If you want to see something you've never seen, you got to do something you've never done. And so whatever that looks like to you, could you just invite God right now? Say, God, this week, as I go into this week, would you speak to me? God, would you just lead me as I pursue this dream? God, maybe you're going to speak a dream into someone's heart right now. Maybe you're going to bring about distractions that they've allowed in. God, maybe you're going to give them strength against internal opposition that they've had coming against them. God, I just pray right now that you would speak in this moment. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you to speak to us. We trust you to move in our midst, Jesus. God, I pray that you would seal this moment in. I pray that you would seal this moment in our hearts. Seal this dream in our hearts. God, keep us focused on the why. That will lead the what. God, keep us so focused. But God, would you bring it all back to that focus on you? God, we have no dreams. We have no visions until we look you eye to eye as we seek your heart. God, as we understand what your heart beats for, we understand what your heart breaks for. God, we understand what you see. God, as we hear how you would help and how you would meet needs and how you would navigate God, as we focus on you and as we experience that time with you, God, I just pray right now, God, that you would lead every dream and every vision represented in this place. God, in this next season, in this next couple weeks, God, as we are going into some huge paint weeks, God, we are going into some big times. God, we are building the story factory right now. God, a building where stories will be built and restored and set 
whole for the future. God, I pray you would start that in us. God, I pray this would be a place that you would build our dreams, that you would build our stories starting today. God, that we would set the foundation for what you want to do in this next season through us. God, I pray clients we're going to be with this week, co-workers we're going to meet with, families we're going to have dinner with or have conversations with. God, I just pray that you would go ahead of us. God, that you would build story after story after story. God, as we continue to give and serve and build your kingdom, God, I pray you would bless every individual that is giving so faithfully in this time. God, I pray every life that's going to be changed, God, I thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And God, right now, we just, we're just grateful. We're so grateful for the opportunity you've given us to hear your voice, to answer the call. In your name we pray. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.